Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Roth, but my friends call me the Booby Docs, my popular social media account where I talk about breast cancer and breast health in an educational and fun way. I'm a board-certified radiologist who specializes in breast imaging and image-guided procedures. I'm also a 40-something Ashkenazi Jewish woman with a strong family history of breast cancer and BRCA, so I know a thing or two about breast cancer. And this is my podcast, The Girlfriend's Guide to Breast Cancer, Breast Health, and Beyond. If you or someone you love has been affected by breast cancer, this podcast is for you. Each episode, I sit down with top breast cancer experts, thrivers, providers, and those that love them to bring you the breast information. So get ready to learn, laugh, and let's be breasties. This podcast is not intended for medical advice. Please refer to your doctor with any symptoms or concerns you may be having. Thank you and enjoy the show. I am so excited to welcome my friend, Traley Ringo, to the podcast. Traley is better known as Mama Ringo. She's the proud mama of Keely Ringo, who is a cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he played at University of Georgia, where he helped them win the 2022 College Football Playoff National Championship. I had the pleasure of introducing Traley and Keely at a Hologic event a few weeks ago where we were both speakers, and I was blown away by her breast cancer story and her message. So nice seeing you. We ran into each other. I saw you last weekend at the Eagles game where your son helped them win. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. We had a, we had a blast. It was so nice running into you and I got to meet your husband. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I ended up talking to Logics, letting them know that we touched bases and took a picture. They were pleased. Um, I love that. <laughs> And so hopefully I've run into it another game before. Oh my gosh. Anytime I can go to the Eagles games, I try when it's not too cold. Like this is like the sweet spot <laughs> in October, November. That's where I like to go. Yes. What's it like seeing your son play in the NFL? Oh my gosh. It is surreal. It is absolutely surreal. I, I saw him doing amazing things and he's um, displayed athletic ability for years since you know elementary school but my goodness this is I'm a proud mom you you should be (laughs) did did you ever think he would make it to this level like when he was a child was he just that good it 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 honestly looked like he was bound because third for an example you know third grade competing against fifth graders um, and so it was obvious that he was able to set himself from the competition early and he, he did so. Um, actually, there was a there was a time where. Um, this kind of um, goes into, um, you know, Keely Ringo and going um, to to the league. I had brought him and relocated him from uh, Seattle, excuse me, Tacoma, Arizona, mm-hmm. suburb of Seattle and relocated him down to Phoenix, Arizona because mm-hmm. he was he was already the best and he was getting better so i had to reposition him where he had you know kids that were at his level and just kind of up there in the corner of the pacific northwest they weren't there and we ended up going yeah. down to Phoenix and uh, we went to Sorrel high school which is a uh-huh. very well-known football school there Arizona and to be honest they don't even have to recruit they just uh-huh. they have kids all over relocating from all over the country to go to that school <laughs> well, it just shows you I mean it shows you that not only to, to, to be in the NFL you have to have the talent but then you also have to have a support system like he did with you so kudos to you like this is a team effort 
effort to get him to the NFL for sure. I wanted to focus a little bit on your um, breast cancer stories. Before we even get there, tell me about your life before breast cancer. What were you doing? I know you were raising your son. Tell me more about that. Yes, like I had said um, that I had brought my son from um, Washington State and we relocated down to Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I was based as a flight attendant. And so I that was his sophomore year of high school. And I literally was commuting before that. I would end a trip and then get on a back up, you know, to Tacoma and be up there on my off days. And then when I went back to work, I'd get on Phoenix. And um, so I was happy that Keely was displaying that he was going to be mature enough to make it to school on time and make sure his homework mm-hmm. was done. Always been an impressive young man. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, um, he holds himself to a high standard. And mm-hmm. and I'm so, uh, yeah. You were working as a flight attendant, right? Well, I was, I was working as a flight attendant and, um, and actually at the time, um, I, uh, when COVID happened, it was, we all got laid off in the flight attendant industry, May 1st of 2020. And so then I was a stay at home single and trust me, I wish that I could have gone back to work so I could have a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sure it's a lot. At home full time. And I was feeding a 17 year old boy that was eating me out of house and home. Mm-hmm. So my job, do dishes. football player, right? <laughs> so yes, I was working as a flight attendant and just enjoying traveling around to, um, we, I think we broke the record for the unofficial mm-hmm. visits when it comes wow. to um, the, the young men choosing their and we went to the University of Georgia literally six times and we went wow. to Texas Longhorns five mm-hmm. we were making the IO and that's just the most extreme examples and they were you know our top two ish but um we were do- we were doing our extreme due diligence with choosing a school and again as a single mother I always have to position my son in a place where under other men that I Mm -hmm. know and trust. And there are other men that have played this role in high school and elementary school. Um, And I just was going to drop my son off at, uh, on a man's front door at college and not know Mm -hmm. really who he is and an executive decision. And I just Mm -hmm. did what I could, you know, all of that weight on my shoulders and We made the right decision. We had talked about this before about, um, you know, being a mom, you put yourself second a lot of times. Um, So tell me about how you came to be diagnosed with breast cancer and how being a single mom really impacted that. So uh, referencing us breaking the unofficial record and flying across the country, I am embarrassed to admit, but I, I am here to be vulnerable and tell the whole truth. I had a pencil eraser size mass located at 10 mm-hmm. o'clock at the breast. That was mm-hmm. palpable. I outright ignored it. Um, I was a busy single mother and we were flying across country and taking care of business. I had, I had 
bigger fish to fry, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. I had more important. I had more important things to do than to worry about my own health. I had to look after, take care of my son. Went to the point that I didn't even schedule an appointment. And um, in hindsight, I cannot bully. I just am blown away in hindsight at what I outright chose to put myself Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. by not making and going and getting checked. That's why we're here on this podcast, because I think everybody can relate to it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. And I, 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 that, that's just where I was at. And then once I was diagnosed, once I received the diagnosis, I was, you know, science, it was science. I wasn't in, in denial that it was cancer, but I certainly was prior to, to um, hearing the diagnosis because I just didn't think it would be me. Yeah, I think it, that's so common. You know, you feel something, you don't want to feel it. You don't want to know what it is. Denial is a, a huge part of it. And, you know, I think that taking these complaints seriously and just recognizing that the earlier we can find it, the better, right? I think that's an important take-home message. So, you know, if it is breast cancer, we have more treatment options and just you get better outcomes when we can find it early. So um, as scary as it might feel to find something that you know is concerning, you know, I think that the the take home message should really be just just let's find out. Let's find out together what it is like. It's possible that it's not right. But especially like there comes a point where people come in and they, you know, they've noticed it and ignored it and it's getting bigger. And at some point it. You know, it gets so big that you just can't deny it anymore. And then it's always like a look of defeat. So, um, you know, just again, like the earlier we could find it, the better. So just remember that in the back of your head. And yeah, I know that you probably regret not going sooner to the doctor. That's been through it. No, don't keep it in the back of your head mm-hmm. and yeah. center and pay attention to your body. Do not yeah. ignore it. your body will tell you it needs help. My body yes. was screaming, was ignoring it, and yeah. almost paid the ultimate price. We as women are comfortable putting ourselves on the back burner and mm-hmm. putting our loved ones, families, and children especially first. But I'll use a flight attendant reference. When, they, when the oxygen masks fall, they tell you to put on your oxygen mask before helping mm-hmm. others. That's because you have to be okay. You have to be okay mentally, physically, psychologically, in every aspect. But women, we neglect ourselves and we have got to stop. We actually need to spoil ourselves and maybe go get a foot massage and right. and just stay in the right frame of mind so that we are happy and feel good and in our overall Health and wellness. Then you know, I'm 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 speaking in Zen terminology. (laughs) Yeah, and it it, it makes sense. I mean, you can't help yourself help others before you could help yourself. Like you can't have three young kids, and like my mental health, my physical health is like the first thing to go, unfortunately. Um, and I think that as mothers, I think we all face that, especially with like mom guilt, like, you know, you're a flight attendant, you get so little time to spend with your kid, you don't have time to go to the doctor, like this will, this will change my plans. But like, 
at the end of the day, this is God's plan. And we got to listen to, you know, pay attention to ourselves and put our health and wellness first. So tell me about what that looked like. You found a lump yourself. How long did it did you take to, for you to get to the doctor? Was there a long time? Was there any barriers that you faced while trying to get an appointment, things like that? Um, I outright ignored the mass again for nine months, 10 months. And um, when um, my son was scheduled to report to school June 3rd of 2020, I was preparing for his mm-hmm. departure and had already lined up, you know, gosh, I was about to turn 40 and uh, it's time to get my eyes checked and about 40, let me go get this mask checked out and do my mammogram, which I will circle back to that subject because because 40 years old is not the age to start, in my opinion. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, so you go and get it checked out Yes. And so I had um, communicated to them that I had a, a lump that I could feel. And so they incorporated a biopsy into my initial appointment. So I actually wanted to just take this opportunity to point out that if you have a lump or you notice some breast change, then you need to be scheduled for a diagnostic mammogram and an ultrasound. Okay, so a screening mammogram means you're asymptomatic, you're just getting your annual mammogram as part of your breast cancer screening, but a diagnostic mammogram uh, means that you meet with a radiologist like myself. We evaluate the area of concern and we look at it further with ultrasound or extra pictures if we need, and we give you the results right there. And in her case, she needed the biopsy. For anyone who's listening, if you notice a change, make sure you're asking for a diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound. And so that happened. Um, geez, my son left and reported to school June 3rd. And it was, I think, maybe the 8th I had my appointment. And then 12th got the diagnosis. Well, it's good that once you got in, that things were moving quickly. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, because. Certainly, it's it's not uncommon to hear like lags in terms of, you know, getting seen by a doctor, getting an appointment to get the radiology test, the mammogram, um, things like that, getting the biopsy, there could be lags, especially, especially in a black community, which we'll talk about that they face more lags than, than the, their white counterparts. So I think that's a really important part of the um, conversation. And did you have any family history of breast cancer or... That was exactly what I was going to add. No, that's Anna. why I had convinced myself that it's not cancer. Right. It's not. It's not cancer. It's not. Mm-hmm. So you had talked yourself into believing that it was going to be benign. Right. Without a doubt, because mm-hmm. cancer doesn't run in my family. I yep. wasn't 30 years old. yet, mm-hmm. And I felt fine. And that was enough yeah. to commits me that that I can at least wait till I'm 40 annually beginning at age 40 but that's yeah. a mistake that's a mistake yeah. I have when when my biopsy they didn't have all the information you know with my biopsy but I was not in the beginning stages mm-hmm. I had almost stage three with mm-hmm. which actually it sounds like it was stage three considering mm-hmm. there were dead limbs found in mm-hmm. my excuse me, there were dead cancer cells found in my first two lymph nodes. And okay. so it was communicating to me that it was stage 2B. Mm-hmm. 
stage two and a half, you know? Uh-huh. Right. Um, yeah. But, but it, but it was in the point is it was in the process of metastasizing. I think you bring up a lot of good points. So, so 40 is a pretty arbitrary number that's kind of made up by insurance companies as kind of like, you know, the starting point at which it makes sense financially to screen the most women. But there are certainly plenty of women that will be diagnosed with breast cancer before the age of 40. 12,000 women a year are diagnosed with breast cancer before the age of 40. Um, the, I, the real goal is trying to identify who these women are. So, you know, it's really, there's no... <sighs> There's a rise in young breast cancers, unfortunately, especially in the 30 to 39 year old population. 40 every year is an average risk women. So that means that high risk women need to start earlier. We start as early as age 25 for MRI and as early as age 30 for mammography. And really the goal is to try to identify people that are gonna get breast cancer early. But most people that get breast cancer, unfortunately have no known family history or genetic mutations. So, uh, you know, that that is often a, um, a false sense of reassurance for people. Um, but I think that there's a newer recommendation that says that all women, especially Ashkenazi, Jewish and black women, should have a conversation with their healthcare care providers about breast cancer risk factors before age 30. So we can identify high risk women that might benefit from earlier or supplemental screening such as yourself. But unfortunately, like I don't even think with those things that you would be caught as a high-risk individual because you don't have the typical risk factors. And that's what we're seeing, unfortunately, is that a lot of these people do not have those risk factors. So then it's really about knowing your body and advocating for yourself when you find something that feels abnormal to you and taking it seriously for yourself. Because, you know, under age 40, we're not typically screening these patients for, for breast cancer. And that's where that's where the disconnect is. And I agree with you. Like, I, I think with this rise in young breast cancer, like I they used to kind of do a baseline mammogram at 35 um, just to hopefully catch the 30 year olds that might have breast cancer. Um, and I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think it would be hard to get insurance companies and medical societies on board because we even have difficulty getting 40 every year. There's controversy over that, um, which is a shame. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, and it wonder. It makes me wonder if if I had stage two B or and then or stage three A stage three A because it was in the process of metastasizing. Mm-hmm. When did it start growing? Yeah. You know, we, we don't exactly. know that. Right. We don't know that. Um, yeah, and I see. I mean, as a breast radiologist, so I'm the doctor who's interpreting the mammograms, the ultrasounds, the MRIs, and then also doing the biopsies. I see young breast cancers every single day in my practice. I, I'd say the majority of patients we're seeing right now in, um, are in their 30s. We see 20s. I saw a 19 year old the other day. And usually they have, when they're that young, they usually have some kind of identifiable cause, like um, history of a malignancy as a kid and, and had radiation. That's why they're getting it so young. But a lot of these people do not have these, you know, risk factors that we typically look for. So I think that, I think that patients and physicians need to kind of change what breast cancer looks like in their head, because a lot of people think it's an old person's disease. That's not the, the case anymore. It's actually going down in older people and increasing in the younger population. So I think we have to take that seriously.
Absolutely. And that's why that is literally why I've chosen to take that. This is my new mission in life. I love it. It's like meant to be like advocacy is so important. You have such a platform and the ability to use it for something good is like, is beautiful. So thank you here for it. (laughs) I feel blessed that I, that the cancer is behind me and in all honesty, um, I am a retired fireman paramedic from, um, and I am um, not able to be as active anymore because of an injury. Mm-hmm. So I have just felt like I'm not making the same contribution to society as I once did. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't feeling good about myself. And this really yeah. back for me. And I'm going at it so strong. I have a big mouth. I want everybody to hear my voice and I will scream at the top of my lungs to take breast health seriously. I don't care if I have to scare you into breast health. Uh Comedy to incorporate. I will. However you hear the message, even if, even if I love it, like me, you will remember my message. Exactly. I mean, that's how we bonded over our love of advocacy and just the importance of um, using your voice to help so many people. And like, I have a small platform. So imagine what you could do with a big platform. Like, it's really exciting. And I'm happy. I'll be cheering you on for the sidelines. <laughs> I am so excited. So we, we're talking about um, my yeah. beginning that uh, mission of building my following at the Philadelphia Eagles. That is pending. I love it. And absolutely, I can't I can't wait because I love these fans. If it were to happen and unfold like it unfolded with the University of Georgia, then it is just the the platform is huge. And it it doesn't matter what month it is. And yeah, that's it doesn't matter. I'm not just, you know, advocating uh, breast cancer. uh, It's it's cancer. It's cancer awareness needs to happen year round. It's the worst thing. I want to prevent anyone and everyone from going through it. Everyone has to be upfront. Um, everyone has to be knowledgeable of their family history. Everyone has to to care. And we can't wait till the last minute to to decide yeah. we care about a, con, a pending condition because then it could be too late. So you started the Ringo Family Foundation. Tell me a little bit about that. So it is still in the very, very beginning phases and mm-hmm. uh, have the, an amazing partnership with Hologic. We are working on collaborating and, and what we're going to do moving forward. I'm hoping to be the face of this whole organization, by the way. I'm wanting to build this following with the Eagles. And I'm telling you, I, it doesn't matter what month it is. I'm sending people to Hologic. We just, there's so much, there's so much that potential here. Yeah. So Hologic is an amazing mammography company and imaging based company that you now that then that's, this is how actually we connected. Right. We were at the Hologic breast cancer awareness event. What drew you to Hologic and what made you want to get associated with them? The fact that they specialize in mammography and I was just at our tour. I was just blown away at the staff yeah. and the, the space and what they're creating and how it's going to focus on the health and well-being of of just everyone, the collective. I am just so thankful to be a part of it. I'm wanting, yeah. 
I'm wanting to, we had a, we had a um, collaboration this year and I'm hoping for an even a much bigger collaboration this next year. I want to be loud about what Hologics offers and I want to spread this message. And, and I'm just thankful to be, to have, have the cancer behind me and have just the perspective that I have and know the importance and, have the position and it just kind of, you know how just everything unravels and happens for a reason. Oh, oh yes. Just, it just feels like it's just been it feels so great. And yes. And I am, I'm just looking forward to a great partnership and working with you, especially. Oh my God. I'd love <laughs> to see you as the face of Hologic for sure. <laughs> And I'm grateful for Hologic because they just actually spot, were one of the sponsors for my booby bash, which was last weekend, which was amazing. Oh, I, that is so we needed fun. to get you at the booby bash next year. Yes, yes. We have, so we have the same sense of humor when it comes to this subject, and that's what I need. Someone that, that's what I need to work with is someone that's just super open about it. I'm just, I'm that right is on. super boobs. Oh, yeah. positive. <laughs> exactly. I got one. I got one. I, there you go. I got one too. I got three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I am looking forward to our partnership. I am. I am hoping for, for just to be able to to spread this message. I just need told what to do and pointed in the direction. And um, I just am excited to have. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Chemo uh, brain is real. Well, totally. I not tell you how difficult it is. I oftentimes lose my place um, if I, if I'm attempting to focus and tell a story, especially. You know, I kind of have to have bullet points um, written down, mm -hmm. or it just it helps to be able to write down it. Um, it helps to have someone that understands chemo yeah. brain. And that knows that they have to. So thank you so much. You know, yeah. oh, of regular people just don't understand. It is what I like yeah. to as undiagnosed brain damage is what chemo mm -hmm. does. Um, I have examples from my professional career as a, as a paramedic. There are things that I've outright forgot that I without a doubt would couldn't have forgotten. There are just things that yeah. my memory, my memory is extremely compromised and I catch it all the time. Again, I don't want yeah. to taking your breast health seriously. It is difficult just going through life and yeah. unorganized and um, just like you have to go above and beyond to just be able to live regularly. That's a reason to not have chemo in itself. Exactly. I mean, if you if your breast cancer is caught early, a lot of times, depending on what type it is, and we can possibly avoid chemotherapy. So that is one of the benefits. You know, we talk about early detection saving lives, but it also saves, you know, ag more aggressive treatments like chemotherapy or lymph node dissection, which may cause long term sequelae that are unfavorable. So we have to look at quality of life, like the mortality rate. We have like a 99% survival rate when we catch breast cancer early. So we really have to focus on the quality of life after breast cancer, right? Like we have to take that seriously. Absolutely. Because I yeah. can't compare, you know, when, when I finally just, or excuse me, when we finally um, went ahead and measured my, my mass with the, um, with the visit, 
it was without a doubt a pencil eraser size at first. Mm -hmm. I might have those candidates for them to go in and just read. I'm not sure if I would read. I'm not sure. But yeah, it would have most certainly been lesser of a treatment. And yeah, was at the time that I was making the mistake of ignoring my health. I had no idea. Yeah. Signing myself up to go through, but I, I would, you know, you learn, and this is why you're here today is to encourage people to get tested when when they notice something. And, and yeah, so literally, literally, if you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> that's this this entire experience has changed my entire life mission. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I love flying as a flight attendant and I enjoy traveling, but I have got to communicate this word to as many people that are willing to listen. Yeah. I think this is a good reminder for anyone listening. When, like, am I overdue for my mammogram? When's the last time I had that? When's the last time I did my self breast exam? I really do encourage a monthly self breast exam because especially we talked about the rise in young breast cancer. Like this is how we're, this is how young women are going to find their breast cancer. Right. Um, about 80% of women find their breast cancer themselves. So I think we really have to take that seriously. But I mean, if you're listening, take this as your sign that to, to get yourself checked and it's probably gonna be okay. But you know, just in case, what did your breast cancer treatment look like for you? Um, I was, well, I was going to say one more thing um, added on to what mm-hmm. you were saying is that I would find a girlfriend or a family member and, or, um, and hold you to hold each other accountable. When is your next breast yes. exam? Maybe even make a date out of it, and you two go get your, go get totally. that. Go out to lunch and just, and then make a phone call to someone, another woman that you know and love. And men, one in every hundred breast cancer diagnosis goes to a man. That's right. Crazy fact I learned. I know. Did you know that um, Beyonce's dad had breast cancer? I did hear that. Yeah. And he had BRCA2. He has BRCA2 mutation. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's out there. And I think we have to destigmatize that too, because I think a lot of men that walk into the department are immediately turned off by just, you know, just women everywhere asking when your last menstrual period is, like things that we do typically in a breast cancer um, department. I think it's something that we have to look at because especially all breast cancer is higher in black community as well but then you also talk about disparities with you know the trans and lgbtq plus community like we just everyone has breasts so everyone is at risk for breast cancer some more than others and i think that's an important take-home point yes absolutely that's perfect i wanted to actually since we're talking about this a little bit i want to just talk about breast cancer disparities especially in the black community because there are some pretty shocking statistics that i wanted to share is that Black women tend to have a greater than 40% mortality rate um, than their white counterparts. They tend to be diagnosed at a younger age and with uh, more aggressive disease, more advanced stage disease, um, more likely to be carrying a genetic mutation, though less likely to be offered genetic counseling than their white counterparts. Uh, and like we said, it increased incidence of male breast cancer. Um, so I think it is something that like there's barriers everywhere. It's not just it's, you know, it, it's not like lack of insurance. There are true inherent blocks 
to a lot of uh, Black communities to getting the care that they need. Um, so I think it is something that we have to talk about. I actually have a whole episode dedicated. Episode number five is dedicated to breast cancer disparities. So I recommend that anyone who wants to learn more, go back and listen to that episode. Um, but I guess what is your message to the Black community about breast cancer in general? I'll give this, I will give this example. Mm-hmm. When I, I, became a, I began a partnership mm-hmm. with a hospital in Athens, Georgia. After mm-hmm. after the interception and um, re- regarding um, speaking and it was going to they wanted me to bridge the gap, assist in bridging the gap towards the African American mm-hmm. community and bringing awareness because there is um, there is a problem when it comes to yeah. when it comes to everyone being everyone that has on a white coat is also Caucasian. And it comes down to um, depends on the generation um, trust. And there are just some hard times that we're still having to get over. And not everyone is ready for change and accept Mm -hmm. that everyone has their best interest in mind. Um, And I honestly had that experience firsthand at Mm -hmm. this organization that I was working with. I ended up mm-hmm. separating um, with that organization due to the way I felt like I was treated when I went to the ER. I'm so sorry about that. It was unbelievable. So there. What did they? What What did you experience? Okay. Well, I have my gosh. I um, had an emergency um, with my with my back, um, which I'm now pending my surgery. I was having an emergency with my spinal cord nerve stimulator being replaced. So I had a major surgery and an infection brewing and I went to my spinal Mm -hmm. surgeon and the spinal surgeon said, Hey, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to the ER. I'm calling the ER to tell them that an employee and my patient is on the way, on the way. I need a copy Mm -hmm. of your and fluid in your back stat. Mm-hmm. Only believe me, waiting in the waiting room upon my arrival, I waited in the waiting room for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. They, it was unbelievable. I was shaking and sweating. And I mean, no one in the lobby was presenting as horrible as I was. There was a right. woman who in and, you know, hopped off the, hopped off, uh, the ambulance caught gurney and jumped herself in uh, the wheelchair. That's when I lost it and said, what is yeah. going on? Is it the triage's nurse's first day? It was mm-hmm. horrible. Then they got me back. And um, yeah. I, I said, why is it? How has it been an hour? And I'm looking mm-hmm. and I'm sweating and shaking. And, and sh- like, I'm, I could not, I can't believe that yeah. they didn't recognize that emergency. And yeah. then they got me to the back. I had 104 temperature. And my um, my uh, stitches blew open, fortunately, oh, wow. and the infection came out. But it oh, was God. right there in tubes, ready to go and travel up towards my spinal cords. It was a serious emergency. I almost died. That's so scary. And You're it, lucky it, it went out and in. Right? I don't know. I don't know. And I just have to 
it's horrible, but I'm going to have yeah. to come out with other racial experiences that I've had living yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. Because, and again, I, well, not again, I am half white and half black. I have a very neutral experience or um, very neutral um, perspective mm-hmm. and multiple experiences. And some are just blowing me away. I don't know if it was yeah. sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Because my face was flashing across the screen every other minute for mm-hmm. two months. Or was it racism? What is the reason? Mm-hmm. Either you received a phone call from this neurosurgeon that said you need a copy of this blood work and fluid stat. Also, I, there was, I have another horrible example also that is another yeah. situation. I have another situation that happened. I mm-hmm. can say a long story short. I had a young lady that was working as my um, as um, an assistant for me, and I had her in town from out of state. She came from Phoenix, Arizona, and she has um, her breathing was compromised. And so I ended up um, needing to take her to the hospital. She wanted to go to the hospital that I work. And I literally, Mm -hmm. you know what? Considering the treatment that I know, go, and this was prior to my example. Mm -hmm. Considering how, you know, it is in the South, I and I think we'll have better luck. If, wow. So I grabbed my my I grabbed my badge from my uh, fire department, my paramedic license, and we went to a fire department where I was looking for a, a, a chief that or, you know, uh, uh-huh. someone, someone that uh, a, a Lou that uh, that I could um, that I could just ask the paramedic stu- a student to you know start an IV and and get her a breathing treatment. I just knew that that would be more effective. That would be quicker. Um, and so we went to the first fire department and it was closed. And second fire department, they were doing COVID shots. And the third, so only to find out that that they that um, they only run BLS instead of ALS mm-hmm. in, in in that town. And so mm-hmm. they outside company. So she's now extreme. She's now experiencing breathing difficulties. Uh, and I, she said she just wants to go to the hospital. So I took her to that hospital and um, I was very disappointed with their triage. Um, there was actually, gosh, this, this is horrible. She is uh, very, uh, she is obviously um, um, a lesbian and, and mm-hmm. looks looks the and beautiful young lady and um mm-hmm. I was in the triage with her and with with the triaging nurse and um I just had on my badge from you know working in the hospital and wanted to communicate hey, hey you know yeah I would you know I, would you please take care of my family you know my people just as I would take care of yours because we both work here as my badge. she says to me and who is she to you I thought to myself, what does it matter? She's a patient and she needs help. Yeah. Fast forward, they ended up, it, it took them a while to get her back um, in the in the back room. They ended up giving her five breathing treatments, which it, it wasn't working. And they were talking about mm-hmm. just, just my amateur paramedic. Uh-huh. I was, like I said, she is not able to be, she's not ready to be discharged. This is not okay. And um, right. they ended up discharging mm-hmm. her home to my house where I uh, where she was still having difficulty breathing we called the paramedics I asked them to take her to the other hospital in the town 
where she got admitted to the ICU for six days, but qualified to get discharged from this other hospital. Wow. And that's insane. I, 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 that is really could have gotten I, so many examples of of craziness that that I've been through and yeah. you know in the South when it comes to my skin complexion. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. And I'm like it's it's unacceptable. Um just yeah, like and I think it's something that we have to talk about and change. Uh, I forgot to mention the statistic which is that it usually takes um, the black community about twice treated so like you said like it's like early detection is key but if you can't get in and you're you're facing barriers at every stage it's it's not easy to you know it's not easy to be persistent and be like no i know there's something wrong you know a lot of times i think um, women especially black women get medical gaslighting where they're kind of told it's not a big deal you're too young for breast cancer don't worry about it and that's not true we know that's not true Okay. What did your breast cancer treatment look like? As soon as I received the diagnosis, uh, they threw me into Breast Cancer Treatments of America. Um, and I began like in two days. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was the Red Devil. And um, mm-hmm. it is, it lives up to its name. And um, yeah. it, it was one of the worst um, treatments I ended up. Yes, I started losing my hair right away. And I uh, it, I became, it was so difficult to eat. It became really difficult to hold food <laughs> down. Um, it's not, the cancer treatment, um, my gosh, you're hungry, but you want it, but, and you want to eat, but you can't. Um, everything tastes like cardboard. Um you just you just sit there and mm-hmm. feel defeated through chemo. I I remember. Yeah. I was, I was sitting there. I was oh god, and it causes um, you know, all, it's poison and it goes into your body and it does its job. And so right away, you know, you get a mm-hmm. UTI from. So I had my gosh. I had so much going on and that just sitting, just the thought of mm-hmm. my hair and I just have this UTI and of course the runs and it's just everything stacking upon everything and you're hungry. Yeah. And everything tastes horrible. It's just not, it's, it's the worst mm-hmm. ever experienced times months. Yeah. Oh. Months. No escape. Doc's, and, and the, the, the red devil for the is doxorubicin. It's a type of chemotherapy yeah. just for those who doxorubicin. don't know. Doxorubicin. Doxorubicin yeah. is the red mm-hmm. devil. And then followed by Taxol. And mm-hmm. um, those were IV. And then I went on to an oral. And um mm-hmm. there were just different side effects. Um one of them, one of them made my hands and feet so raw. Mm-hmm use them I couldn't walk on my feet or I couldn't use my hands for anything they everyone had to do everything for me and yeah it was difficult it was it was um and then it's it was during the year of 2020 so everyone Uh, was was in isolation um and it's so difficult 
it, it how, was how many how many so you did that for how many months and then what i i did the i did the doxorubicin and the taxol back to back um began it in um june and had my had my double mastectomy mm-hmm. in um december so it's about six weeks you have to okay. be off the um and um that double mastectomy i had family telling me that you know don't do it don't do the double mastectomy <clears throat> and i said you don't understand mm-hmm. what i've been through yeah every piece of breast mm-hmm. tissue i have and nipples too so i don't want any i don't want yeah. left anything i don't want any chance of a possibility of this circling yeah. back for me it right. was again the worst thing I've ever experienced. I cannot put into words what it feels yeah. like to be on your deathbed and then know that in a couple of days you'll feel a little bit better and you have mm-hmm. to get back up and go in for another again. It's just self-torture driving yourself yeah. to go and do it. But you're it's fighting, not. you're still fighting for your life. You have to do it. That's literally when I can say that the, the the phrase you never know how strong you are until being mm-hmm. strong only option you have that's when I can say right. was true to me when I was taking chemo and the only person I had in town was my was my mother she came down from Washington State literally she sold her house and took off and came to me while we don't have the best relationship you know, mom's daughters. She stepped up. Everyone knows how how that can be. She was there. I didn't enjoy the food. I didn't, (laughs) but it kept me alive. Just not wanting to, I'm not going to argue. And so I'm watching, you know, country, Western shows. (laughs) (laughs) What I just, what the, gun smoke. I'm watching gun smoke while I'm on chemo. Like, like no breaks, break. no relief. Oh. oh man! So that that was like one of the hardest parts about chemo. Is watching country westerns with your mom. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just not having. I mean, it was COVID, so I couldn't yeah. go anywhere. There was no break. There was no change of scenery. No one what? could come visit me. All I did yeah. was like my, my deathbed and wait uh. to. to you know, to eat food that tastes like cardboard and maybe the day before you go back in for treatment, maybe you're getting a little bit of taste buds back because it is wearing out, you know, it's wearing off and you go back in to ah, then, you, then you do it again, right? Yeah. Uh, um, it's, I'm, well, look at you now, like you're so much stronger for it. Oh. And I know, did you undergo breast reconstruction? I am in the process of undergoing breast reconstruction. Good for you. Honestly. Um, what type are you having if you're okay talking about that? Um, I have. Expanders. Um, I have one side that I had extreme complications from during the reconstruction, and that's the cancer side. Um that is from complication from um, Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If mm-hmm. I want to say that I had to transfer out of there, I had the worst experience. I would not mm-hmm. suggest anyone 
deal with Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They make it look pretty, but you are just a number. And I do that. I believe that this was due to um, lack lack of care and lack of wound um, care and lack of. Education. I think it's a really. I think it's important there to mention that like your team it's like a long-term relationship so you have to find a team that feel that feels right to you and feels like they're taking your complaint seriously and it's just a good fit because this is a long-term relationship right exactly very important exactly yeah i was not made to feel that unfortunately i'm so sorry about that um so i am now flat on my left side and i am done with Mm -hmm. reconstruction on my right i have a successful implant Mm -hmm. Good. And so we are in the process of mm-hmm. waiting for my back surgery to schedule the day before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. waiting for that. And so then I can heal from that and then we can go back to beginning. Oh, well, I'm wishing you I'm so ready to be back. I just want to be back to normal. So I know. So and that's, like that's the reason why I was so quiet this whole you know month of October, because. It's a lot. It's I just have a, I have a lot going on, but I I just am ready to get back to it. I'm going to hurry up and have this and recover and and be back yeah, at you gotta it. Gotta be well. So, yes, and um, I'm I'm wanting to. I am going to um show. I'm wanting to address this as wide open and um, as vulnerable as I possibly can, because I want everyone to know the uncomfortable truth when it comes to cancer. Um, again, I, I, what am, I love that when I talk to people about breast cancer, they say, you don't look like you'd have cancer. Because it doesn't, doesn't patient look like it. Right. Right. It doesn't discriminate. Yeah. And I just run with, I just have to run with that. Um, my gosh, it just is heartbreaking and it's lack of education. And that yeah. is why I'm glad that God put this mission in my lap. And I've, I've mm-hmm. got a look that people are thinking, oh, what happened to me? What happened to her? Mm-hmm. I'm going, oh, that's my advantage. You guys are wrong with people that. That's to, right. Yes, people are willing to listen because of that. Then so be it. Um, I just hey. want everyone to know and understand you are not exempt. Sorry, that, that, was, that was, um, no, that, that was aggressive. That's what I want to hear. That's what, <laughs> yeah, no, it's so important. And listen, like I'm with you. I think that you need to see all the people that have breast cancer because it's, it's, we're, it's vast and it's wide and it may not be the people that you think that have breast cancer and, and also don't like judge someone like you've been through so much to say you don't mm. look like you've had breast cancer. Like how offensive is that? Thank you. you know? So I'm comfortable with showing my, my flat side with my, um, are mm-hmm. you? What? Let's do it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let's show okay. it. I'm an exhibitionist. <laughs> there you go. It's a I'm kind of podcast. When it comes to this mission. Show it. Because. And so I had a lot of um, I had a lot of practice stuffing my bra in seventh grade. So, <laughs> so I was I was like a natural at it when I needed it. All paid off, right? Yes. Oh, let's hold on, my battery. Okay, I was. It looks even to um, me. So thank you, but it's not. This is my. 
my uh, little tissue. And they, uh, circling back to race, they don't have an option for colors. Maybe I should come up with that. Oh, you know, what do you think? Have you seen the new Kim Kardashian bra with the nipple? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, she got that right. Yes. That right. I feel like we need to nominate you for a model for this. And I, I think yes. I cannot believe how 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 important our boots that feels. are. Oh I, yeah. I stand corrected with yeah. Oh, so I, I my. So I, I'm, if I were to be a man, I'd be an ass man. Let's just say that. Yeah. But I. Am wanting, you know, to look normal again because I want to be able to fill out. I need to fill out shirts, and I just want to feel like a, a woman. A hundred percent. I mean, so so much of our identity is really tied up in our breasts. I don't think we realize yes. that as women, and they're like too small, they're too big, they're too this, they're too that, and then when you lose them, though, you're like, oh man, like I took these ladies for granted the whole time, and. And now, yeah, I, I think it's sometimes it takes, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yes, yes. Oh, well, well. I'm going to get um, some tattoos and, you know, cover some scars. And that's just going to be a reason to go get some more. But I, oh, I, I love want, that. I don't want to have to, I want, I'd rather be in the position that I could choose to get my next tattoo where I wanted it, not because I need to cover some scars. Well, and you might have to get a bonus too. <laughs> breast health seriously I believe that would have been an option so well I think that is a beautiful place to end this conversation I adore you I loved I loved you the moment I met you and I saw you from afar and it's like you are a beacon of light and beauty so thank you so very much thank you oh my gosh thank you for that um I enjoy you so much I know yeah. I know that be such an easy interview because just <laughs> I said earlier, I was like, it's not an interview. We're just going to have a girlfriend. Talk to cash. Just I look forward girlfriend to check, chatting. Yes, we are going to work together and make some power moves, woman. I am Please. so glad. Let's do that. And where can people find you on social media? On IG for the most part, Instagram, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook. And I am Tralee Hale. Yeah. And um, oh, the, and the real Tralee will come up. Uh, you can type in a bunch of stuff and then they yeah. give you the options, but definitely, That's right. I'm definitely the real Tralee or Tralee yeah. Hale would work. Um, and I'm in the process of changing my name to Ringo. I, mean, I like it. Needs to, it needs to be. I am Mama Ringo. Mama Ringo has a nice ring to it. And it's the Ringo, and we are, and our nonprofit is the Ringo Family Foundation, and yes. that's that's where if anyone would like to donate, um, I am in the process of again completing the surgery. I'm in relocating to Philly now, confirmed. Um, yes, and um, welcome. And then uh, once I can get all that, I'm just getting back on this mission. And I just need to live an influencer lifestyle because I, I love, love I love to go live. I love I, I'm, at, I'm at the airport and I'll walk in and if I catch women, you know, on the on the toilet, I'll just stop and say, hey, hello, uh, my name is Trilly. And since I got you on the pot, you can't go anywhere. You're going to listen to my message. And I tell uh, them and let them out of the bathroom to send tears and hug me and <laughs> I, it so, just, you know, and I it's love just that for you. fun. And if somebody doesn't want to hear it, maybe they just walk out. But, you know, I have good energy and I just want to spread this message as far as I can. And that's the type of I, stuff that needs recorded. And that's the type of, <laughs> that's the type of stuff I need to post. 
So that's yeah, right. So look forward to that type of interaction on my social media at the Real Truly. That um, yes. Instagram is where I'm going to be most proactive. But absolutely going to get get going with this message as soon as I can resituate. Well, we have to get working together. I feel like we could do so many things together. I'm excited to see big things from you this next year. Only only health and happiness and big things for you this upcoming year. And yes, thank you. And positive vibes only. Thank you. Have the best rest of your day. So great speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this conversation or learned something new, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review and help spread the word. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. And of course, make sure you follow me across all social media platforms at The Booby Docs for more of the breast information. And a huge thank you to my podcast producer, Christian Cuveta, an amazing medical student who also wrote and produced the music for the show. Take it away, Christian.